Welcome to Just Dads Reading Books, a podcast about judging your kids for what they read. This is produced by Matt Martins and EJ Sanders. Music by Russian Baths. Hi, welcome to Just Dads Reading Books. I'm here with my best friend, EJ. And I'm here with my best friend, Matt, and I think I've just been promoted, Yeah, it sounds like. Well, I just get to, like, it, literally whoever I'm with at the moment, that's my current best friend. Oh, at any okay. given moment, whoever's with me enjoying my company, that's, you're my best friend. If you like so being around Molly. me, <laughs> Molly is mostly my best friend, and occasionally she's in the other room and someone else has to fit the bill. Well, something happened to Matt when he was really young where object permanence just <laughs> went right out the window and something that he learned. So, yeah, I, I'm in front of Matt right yep. now, and therefore I'm the only person that Matt knows. N- yeah, not only are you my best friend, you're my only friend and the only <laughs> human being that exists. Only uh, friends. <laughs> boy, today we're continuing the uh, the storyline, maybe the main storyline of this show so far, the critical yeah. arc. Uh, although... I'm going to have some things to say about our critical arc after today. I've, I, I, I'm, I'm feeling like we've maybe escaped some of our critical arc. But what we've been doing is we read uh, Terry Pratchett's Guards, Guards a while back. Yeah. And then we were like, wow, that seemed like uh, great, but also sort of reliant on a lot of fantasy tropes that we would like to get in our head a bit more. Yeah. So let's read a bunch of fantasy. Let's let's read like a bunch of cliche fantasy novels and some other more uh, less cliche fantasy novels, etc. We did that for a while. And now it was finally time to return to Terry Pratchett. And this time we read Mort, which is if you don't know anything about Discworld, Discworld basically has like all sorts of storylines within it. You can read the books about Rincewind, the wizard. You can read the mm-hmm. books about the Watch, which Guards Guards is the first one of. I just, I just want to say yeah. that this this podcast could very easily just be a. Discord it really podcast. could. We could just start doing that. That could be a, or, or it could be like our our offshoot podcast is just like I just this <laughs> yeah. book made me want to read more Terry Pratchett. So this is yeah. Mort, which is the first of the novels about the character death. Which, uh, if I have it right, I think Death does appear in a couple of the books before this one. This is like the fourth Discworld book Terry Pratchett ever mm-hmm. wrote. Uh, so anyways, uh, we this is basically starting in a new direction or whatever. Uh, there's yeah. a, a, in the copy I read, uh, which was a sort of a, a, a publication after uh, Terry Pratchett passed away, there is a beautiful foreword by Neil Gaiman, but in it, he talks about this interesting idea of that Terry loved words. Terry loved really specific things about words and like playing with words, which you you get. You read his books and you're like, oh, this guy loves to play with words. He has like a, a mastery of language. Uh, and one of the things that Neil Gaiman says in this foreword is Mort was Terry's masterpiece in the traditional sense of masterpiece, which Terry would explain to you is a masterpiece was the work a journeyman would make that would then classify them as a master of their trade. So it wasn't the greatest thing they ever made. It was the first truly great masterwork they put out into the world. 
whenever I make documents at work, I make <laughs> a master document first. And then right. there, everything is derived. And yes. in this way, right? Like it's yeah. the same thing that you're talking about. I know yeah. that's a silly analogy, but that is exactly that's, that's, what we're yeah, talking th- about. This is the master is, work. This is the first. Uh, is I, the I will say in that same one, Neil Gaiman says perhaps the, the new knowledge of what a masterpiece means uh, Neil Gaiman shouts out that he thinks The Night Watch is the best book Terry Pratchett ever wrote, <laughs> which means, uh oh, gotta at some point read The Night Watch. Just hey, have to have to put that in the in our schedule at some point or whatever. If Neil Gaiman says so. Yeah, I, it, my hands are tied. You know? yeah, I like, don't know. I, he I wrote a do. book with Terry Pratchett. And he's like, yeah. that's not the best book Terry Pratchett ever no. wrote. <laughs> So anyways, Mort is about death, but actually Mort is about the character Mort, who death picks up as an assistant. Mort goes to a job fair, and death shows up at the job fair and is like, I need an apprentice. And Mort is really not um, impressive enough to be anyone else's apprentice. No one else wants to take Mort on, and death takes on uh, Mort or Mortimer. Yeah, and uh, what's funny about that is that Mort is, everybody should know, is French for death. Uh, <laughs> but it's also very funny because the French version of this book is called Mortimer. So it just completely <laughs> avoids away. the joke. <laughs> like it just completely throws the joke in the garbage can. And I love that about the French version of this book. Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> I did not know that. Um, but to the point we were saying earlier about sort of our fantasy track, um, Mort is definitely what I think Terry Pratchett was pitched to me as, which is why it is it is important to me that uh, Neil Gaiman says, like, this is the masterpiece. Because we read Guards, Guards, and yeah. to me, Guards, Guards definitely read like a fantasy parody. Whereas yeah. Mort reads like what I always thought of, which is Terry Pratchett is the Douglas Adams of fantasy. Mort hits True. that vibe so much oh, more yeah. than Guards, Guards ever did. Yeah, Mort is this kind of intertwining tale, right? Yeah. We're going in and out of all of these different places. And, yeah, and, and realities. It, it kind of, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we're on the Discworld instead of just Ankh Morpork, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. a lot of Guards Guards is really just like three locations. Yeah. It's very condensed. Now, Guards Guards is the eighth book that he wrote in right. the series. So this after is the after his... That is after his master work, right? right. It's after this, this Mort book, which... You can really tell he's laying the foundation of how he's going to write going forward right. from here. So I am interested. So this is funny because, like I said, this could be just a Discworld podcast. In fact, <laughs> welcome to dis- just discs reading books um, with your host, CJ and Matt. But um, no, I, I just think that, you know, you see the foundation of it. Um, you know, even, even uh, Terry Pratchett himself said that this was the foundational piece. Yeah. To, to everything else that he made. He felt like this was the first time that the plot was integral to to the story, you yeah. know, to the jokes. Everything before this was just like, I was just trying to set up jokes. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm like making plots around right. those those same uh, subversions. Right. Of this this whole tropes. book is about the joke that is the primary vessel of the, right. yeah, it's, it, it is all so cohesive within itself where, yeah, yes. like, like the, I, I've read The Color of Magic, but I can't remember anything about it because it's kind of just the antics of Rincewind. Like, I don't know, he bumbles about as a su- silly uh, wizard, which is great what, because uh, Rincewind shows back up in this book and yes. you get and bumbles about him in that context like oh he's still just doing that huh okay cool yeah. great thanks Rincewind. we'll see you later buddy um so let's maybe we want to talk a little bit about what this uh book is actually like about about 
which is, you know, for a while, I, I'll say this. This is one of the best paced books yeah. I have ever read. Like every little scene of it sets up the foundation for the next scene. Like it is so perfectly just like one event folds into the next, even though it is also like a non sequitur sort of story, right? Where think where where yeah. sometimes the joke is that we've completely ripped you out of one place and taken you to another with with something completely different going on. It always folds back in on itself. Um, but so Mort becomes the assistant of death, and the real plot, as it sort of slowly unravels for you, is that death is bored bored of the job not digging it so much uh maybe kind of interested in what this life stuff is all about he's spent eons sort of ignoring humanity and just being the agent of death just being mm -hmm. the careless you don't get to have a choice i just will will you know i'm here to serve my purpose of uh ushering you into the next plane of existence uh and when mort comes along mort wants to save someone's life he doesn't believe it's fair yeah that someone yeah. might get killed and there's this right. princess that is supposed mm -hmm. to be assassinated and Mort stops it from happening and this upsets the fabric of time and reality itself and then the rest of the book is an adventure through multiple realities all happening at once uh there's a lot of stuff in this book about uh my, my favorite recurring gag is the idea that humans people uh just don't notice things that don't make sense they just if, yeah. if you can't make sense of it and that's like a true thing about psychology right like in general we look for patterns and things like that but this book takes that literally and says if a person walks through a wall you yeah. just won't have noticed that they walked through the wall because right. your brain is not capable of understanding the impossible there's a really, really funny through line with like all of Princess Kelly's like servants <laughs> yeah. in this where they just continually are just like, yeah, like they're they're like yeah. in full denial. That right. Anything she was is supposed happening. to die. The right. fate of the universe was that Kelly, Princess Kelly, is supposed to be dead, yep. which right. means from the moment she was supposed to have supposed been to be killed, yep. everyone in her purview <laughs> accepts that she was killed, even right. though she's right in front right of them, front having of them. not died yet. Yeah, and they're just like, they're like shaking their head and they're like, well, you are dead. <laughs> and then she's like, no. It's better it's too. So it's better funny. too when they, they don't even, it's almost like, like they, it's like a tap on the shoulder. Like, oh, oh, what? No, you're. I'll. I'm gonna go in the other room for a minute. I need to every, think, think about this. <laughs> like, yeah, every character around Princess Kelly that had known Princess Kelly to that point, essentially, uh, like a Looney Tune, had been struck in the head with a frying pan, <laughs> just on wobble for like the rest right. of the book. Right. Yeah. Like they are. They are just seeing double. They are not having a good time. Yeah. Like. Uh, it's it's just a really it's just a really awesome setup. I yeah. mean, if that doesn't get you hooked into this book like yeah. right away, that I don't know what will. Because then from there, it's just kind of like it goes from like Mort basically makes a mistake. I mean, this yeah. is a huge mistake right. to to interrupt the death of a person, right? right? Like his job isn't to do that. His job is to facilitate that person into the afterlife, essentially. Right. right. And so like death's not happy. Death, the character isn't happy. Yeah. Yeah. You know? That, you know, death has a daughter, Isabel, and she's like, she's like 
torn in between, right? Like she's obviously <laughs> the love interest of Mort, not, uh-huh. or not lo- Mort's love interest, but she's kind of like infatuated with Mort. Yeah. And then, but like she's also like, but I'm like, that's my dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So she's like very in between this entire book and uh, just, just an awesome, awesome job. Yeah. I love uh, the characters of this book. I will say with Guards, yes. Guards, there was like a couple characters I really liked. But beyond that, it felt like there was so much going on. We were kind of jumping all over the city and, at times, it was hard for me to track what everybody mm-hmm. was doing. Yeah. Whereas in Mort, there's really only ever like three things at most happening at once. And a right. lot of times they fold back. They, they simplify themselves quickly. Like character yes. will go off and do something. But very quickly, they'll come back and join the rest of the team. But something I'm really glad we read before this is uh-huh. Howl's Moving Castle, which I think yes. has a lot of yep. deep similarities to this book. Because like there's a whole little group. Our A team... Yep exists in this place that's sort of absent of Mm -hmm. of like and and they can just sort of rip themselves into any reality they want that's exactly how howl's moving castle works and it's our little ragtag group of people you know you've got albert you've got isabel you've got death and you've got mort like that's like there's like four characters in howl's moving castle that exist in the castle like it's the same idea ironically aragon also (laughs) yeah (laughs) true yeah didn't think ironically (laughs) kind of that book too which is kind of weird like there's this omnipresent voice that that just like weaves in and out of the story anyways yeah 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 i really like what you're saying and i also really 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 love the minor character scenes in this book yeah there is a few minor character scenes the one that sticks out to me the most is the uh poisoning scene where they're just all at like a table essentially and uh, Mort is like running short on time. He's got yeah, two yeah. deaths to get to that <laughs> night. And so like Mort is just like watching this scene unfold of this this like counselor, like this this it's, high counselor trying to poison the king. Yeah. And the king being insisting that the, the high counselor poison himself, essentially, right? It, like, it's that scene the from thing. The Princess Bride where they're like, yes. you know that I know that you know right. that we're and, and they're just sort of having that yeah. back and forth. Scene, and Mort right? is like, yeah. can we hurry it up already? Yes. Let's go. Somebody Some, I'm here because oh, someone's got to die. Dies. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who dies, but somebody's got to die. So, so somebody figure that out. Like, yeah. you know, it's and then that that character is so funny, too, because he kind of comes along with them for a bit. The character yeah. that does die I won't spoil which it is. But, right. Uh, the character that dies kind of hangs out for a bit. Ah, just just like the minor character scenes in this. Yeah. And like you said, it's a lot like Howl's Moving Castle, where. There are the all the minor character scenes in that book as well yeah. are really really good. Right. They're memorable characters without being intrusive to what you're yeah. reading. And without without taking away taking your mind off of what is important in the right. book, right? What's important about that scene isn't that those two characters are bantering about who should like right. who should be poisoned. It is that it is that Mort is on a yeah. time crunch right and, and, right and i think that that setup and, and knockdown is just so good throughout this entire book there's yeah. multiple scenes like that yeah neil gaiman talks about terry pratchett's writing style and that he would uh that when he wrote this book he was still he still had a daytime job like he was not an established author he was just kind of getting some books written he would write four pages a night he would just get home write four pages and just keep going that way every single day for weeks at a time And that part of his writing style was he would just write scenes. He just wanted to write funny scenes of things that could happen. And then he would go back and look at all the just sort of random scenes he had written and be like, all right, 
how do I turn these into a narrative? How do I put these together? And then he would organize them and then be like, okay, this makes sense as an arc. So now what am I missing in between to like connect, to, to make connective tissue out of this? And that's when he would do like his rewrites and everything. But you feel that, especially in the latter half of this book, there's a part where basically everybody's just jumping around the whole world, the whole disc world. They're just bouncing around. Like multiple characters are going all over the place. Death is just like trying stuff out. So he just like shows up at a bar and drinks as much as he possibly can. There's a drinking scene with more like there's just all these things where you could you could take that scene and isolate and be like, yeah, I could see how Terry Pratchett just was like, I want a yeah. scene where this happens because I think it's hilarious. And then later had to be like, all right, but let's make this connect to everything else and he like does it i mean he pulls it off every single time like i said the pace of this thing feels like every single thing it's so crisp is a part of the whole yeah it's so crisp um i do want to briefly talk about kind of the audiobook version oh yeah this. i read and this one this time so i want to hear yeah, about yeah. the audiobook yeah no the audiobook was great um unfortunately i don't have who was reading it that's sean clifford of fleabag fame that person did a great job she she just I, I told Matt about halfway through this book, I was like, you know, I, I think the the entire cast of the video game Disco Elysium listened to this book before <laughs> because like there are like several like character voices that she does throughout this book that are just like it's, it's almost ripped straight from that game or yeah. vice versa. And it's so, so funny. Like uh, Albert is like this really whiny voice. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just so terrible to listen to. And I, I, I just really love the fact that like like I said, it it it's so funny because I think in this case, and the reason I'm talking about this is because I think that Terry Pratchett's writing style lent itself to that being such a natural thing for the reader. Yeah, like, right. I'm wondering, Matt, did you have? But you know, as you were reading it, did you get kind of the whininess out of Albert? Did you? No, get I don't think I. 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 I, I mean, to, to a certain extent, yes, right? Because for the for the first half of the book, Albert mm -hmm. is. I almost read him more like, uh, especially because I always have Douglas Adams on the mind, um, right. the robot in uh, yeah. Douglas Adams you in know, Hitchhiker's Guide. That. But that's whiny that. as well. I may, so maybe right. less specifically whiny, but woe is me. I'm just sitting right. in the corner. Don't yeah, like that. That side of the whininess that was certainly there for me. Yeah, he was very much like Gart in uh, Disco Elite. Yeah, 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 exactly. I, I don't want to be here. Bad time, like you know, just a hopeless romantic sort of right. like, terrible person. Yeah. but also necessary to the plot. But I don't know. Uh, are there anything? Is there anything in this book, Matt, that you may have taken a little bit of exception with? Um. Well, so I'm glad I physically read it this time because something I struggled with in guards guards is Terry Pratchett doesn't do chapters. That's not his thing. Now he basically does, but he just does a line break and then, right. and then that's it. But that's like effectively moving on to the next chapter. But his favorite thing to do is to make it to where the, he even calls it out at one point in this book where it's like a chapter starts and he's like, do you see what I did there? Where it sounded like they were talking to each other. Anyways, let's move on. Like he, he like notes, there's a way more specific talking. I wonder too, if uh, the audiobook had the footnotes in it, oh, uh, it, no. it would be hard no. for you to know. I mean, it may right. have just come off. They may have done it as like a parenthetical aside where they just like say it and you don't even realize you're reading a footnote. But like been, yeah. literally halfway through this book, all of a sudden he starts having footnotes in there. Like it's it's so completely it's not used for the longest time. And then he's just I like think, footnotes. 
I think one of the actors did the footnotes. Oh, really? About it. I they, think it was. I think it was broken up to where anytime she had to pause, there was. Yeah. An, I don't know if it was Peter Serafinowitz. I don't know how to pronounce his name, but Peter or uh, Bill, but uh, they would one step of them in was and... reading. Was reading. I'm guessing Bill did death. I, right. I can't imagine you would get Bill Nye and not <laughs> not give him death. Not have him do the the deep kind yeah. of um, awful voice that death has. Yeah. But, so, anyways, all that's to say, I am glad I read it this time because that stuff in an audiobook context is way harder. It's like why lost. I got more lost in Guards Guards. Yeah. It's it's you need I need I should say mm-hmm. I need to visually see those line breaks right. to grasp that we've moved on to a next scene because what would happen in Guards Guards all the time is clearly we had just moved on to a new scene and I don't catch up until like. 60 words into that and i'm like wait are we back with new characters or something like like the thing <laughs> like a, a a game of thrones or an expanse does is it's like the new chapter starts and they're like this is from the perspective of aria this is that says aria and then you're like okay cool i'm now like in aria said whereas this one you're just like suddenly in a new perspective and it might take you a minute to figure out who you're following and where you might be and in an audiobook context that that trips me up a lot more and so i i do think i'm going to always continue to just read terry pratchett books i think well, it's necessary for me to follow along with what's going on which just means it takes me longer uh this this uh, this <laughs> recording was delayed numerous times because yeah. matt still hadn't finished the book yet that's <laughs> all right that's all right it, you know it's a tough one to finish because it's you know it is while it is enjoyable it is you know, very, it is dense. You yeah. Know, like, you don't want to skim th- past stuff. You want to catch every right. joke and every line. Yeah. I think that that's something that's very unique to Terry Pratchett, especially at this young adult, uh, you know, teen, yeah. maybe preteen age uh, that he's writing for is just, it's, it is so nuanced. Every single line, like, like Matt's saying that you do want to catch everything. So yeah. I, I totally understand wanting to read it. And I agree about guards, guards, the biggest, I guess issue I had with it if I had an issue with it right. was the fact that you would just kind of pick yourself up in a scene that yeah. you're like, Oh, I didn't know I was here. Ooh, like, where are we? Yeah. <laughs> right. And so it, it is very much like that. Um, you know, if there weren't like some sort of chapter breaks really in the, the audiobook format mm. themselves, then you would be completely lost. Right. But, yeah. I think I, I, good on that. I, I, th- so, so part of this, I, I said earlier on that uh, this made me rethink like what we're doing with this fantasy arc. And, you know, this book felt more like Terry Pratchett doing Terry Pratchett's own thing rather than the guards guards thing feeling like, like a specific uh, kind of inversion on standard fantasy. This didn't feel like a specific inversion. This just felt like Terry Pratchett's just like in his own world. You know what I mean? Do, yeah, doing completely is- his own thing. Yeah, this is completely a uh, a new idea. You know, yeah. there's not like there's not a ton of book, at least none that I've heard of. And if there are, please let me know. But right. there's not like a ton of books that deal with this sort of yeah. like metaphysical concept of right. death being somebody who doesn't want to do his job and therefore yeah. <laughs> goes to a hiring fair to hire a young man also named Death to <laughs> to to be his apprentice. You know, yeah. it's like. Uh, you know, it's 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 very cute. It's uh, obviously, like we said before, I do still think there's a lot of fantasy subversions, but there is sure. in this book. Um, at the end of this book, you know, I, a little bit of spoiler alert here. Uh, Mort, you know, 
marries Isabel, who's yeah. Death's daughter. Right. And uh, I felt like that was just kind of uh, shoved in there. Um, oh, yeah. That was sure. kind of the o- really the only part of this book. You talked about the pacing. The pacing's really, really, really good. And, and then, then it, like, like, snap ends. <laughs> yeah, it's like this wedding scene happens at the end. It's, like, uh, almost had to wrap up really quick. And, yeah. And just to be clear, this book, um, it is a little bit worrisome because this book specifically is widely regarded as the best Discworld book, right? Yeah. Like, it, it was voted as you know across Britain as the best. Oh, of was the it? Discworld That's books. awesome. Well, they had a they had this thing called the Big Read essentially, mm. and it was just like vote for your favorite books ever, and then they oh, put like wow. all of them on the list, and this was the highest ranking of all of those. So, uh, you know, it is a little bit worrisome that maybe <laughs> we've peaked, you know. <laughs> but, but I think, but like you said, you know, Neil Gaiman obviously has a favorite Discworld book. Yeah. I think one of the things that I want to find is I want to find those gems in there. But yeah. but yeah, this this scene at the end where Isabel's just married to Mort now is right. it's just a little it's just a little bit too kind of shoved in there to right. you know, too tight of a bow maybe put on a story that right. is honestly very good uh, yeah. front to back. And I will say, I mean, part of that is in line with essentially the joke of the book and it does fit thematically the way it's wrapping up is the idea that this whole book is about you can't change fate and like the lesson that death learns is you can do whatever the heck you want to (laughs) do you can you're death you can change fate if you want to and so it it I agree that it happens quickly, but it is also in service of the point, which is that death can snap his fingers and be like, actually, Mort doesn't die in the end. Mort's fine and everything's going to work out hunky-dory and I just want this to work. I I care about my daughter and I care about Mort and I want them to have a happily ever after, even though nothing about the pacing led to that being the logical conclusion of this book. We're going to eschew logic and just let there be a happy ending. So... The big fight scene at the end. Yeah. Breaking hourglasses around. Yeah. (laughs) People are just dying. You break an hourglass and then you cut to somewhere and someone's just like. (laughs) (laughs) It it felt like Monty Python to me. Like you could visualize it as a Monty Python bit basically the whole way through. Yeah. There was that. uh, And then the fact that death at the end ends up turning Mort's. uh, Yeah. You know, turning his uh, hourglass over. Back over. Essentially is the whole deal. So pretty good book so i i will say the the direction i want to go next is yeah. I, I don't feel like behold i feel like we've wrapped it up like the the fantasy the fantasy by way of pratchett uh plot line to me is over for the show and now i'm just excited to explore pratchett in other ways and something i think we've been doing is reading just like random pratchett books which i think are appropriate for young readers but are not yeah. specifically written for young readers whereas there is an arc Eden Pratchett's writing, uh, the right. Tiffany aching, aching. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. I haven't read it, so I don't know how it's supposed to be pronounced. But that whole plot line, that character is intentionally written as young adult novels. So I feel like once we decide to get back around to Pratchett, the next thing we got to check out is one of the ones that are intentionally for young readers. Because I'm very curious how Terry Pratchett perceives a young adult novel to look in his world because so many of these feel like they're perfectly appropriate even though i don't know like there's swear words there's there's like scenes where a person is naked there's there's scenes of people drinking and stuff but as we've learned <laughs> there's lots of things that are acceptable in the world of young adult novels actually things can be quite adult uh and so i want to check out what terry pratchett's ideal of young adult novels are 
Yeah, I think that, um, you know, obviously that, that series that you're talking about, the Tiffany Aging series is, you know, it's the last thing he writes too, yeah. right? Like uh, the Shepherd's Crown is the end of Discworld. Mm. Um, and so I think that if there is a series that we're going to do that's inside of Discworld is, I, I want to continue Death personally. Cause oh, death, I do too, yeah. Because the Death arc, actually, I, I've kind of, not, I haven't read ahead, but I've looked at kind of what's coming yeah. up. Yeah. And like Reaper Man and Soul Music, are they sound like D and D campaigns just <laughs> gone wrong? Like it yeah. is, it is, it is very like Bureau of Balance, like just oh like yeah, yeah, kind of messed up like <laughs> stuff that happens in this world. So like at least just from the little blurbs I've read, I'm just like, whoa, yeah. wait, we got there from here. It's, yeah. So I'm I'm very very excited to continue the Death series. Definitely want to read the the YA novels like you were saying. And, yeah, I really don't know how to classify Terry Pratchett because that was the thing uh, at the beginning of us doing Discworld was the fact that we were like, oh, are these children's books? And, honestly, after more, I'm still unsure. Like, yeah. I still think that all of Discworld is actually YA stuff. Sure. Like, I'm, you know, I don't, I don't see this as necessarily proper adult fantasy. No, of course. Um, but I also don't see this as uh, – you know, a children's book by, uh, you know, by any means. Right. You know, I, I don't know how long it's going to be until yeah. our kids are going to be old enough to, to really understand this. And, and, and from that point, point of view, you know, since we are just dads reading books, <laughs> part of the issue with this show, you might, you might conclude dear listener is that <laughs> we read children's books. So yeah. it's, uh, you know, the disc world, like I said, it might be something that we have to hold off on for a bit just to, maybe get back around to something that is more proper YA at yeah. the very least. And uh, yeah. And really kind of decipher more what the disc world is about. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the beauty of Terry Pratchett personally. It's just that idea that, and the reason he is right? so beloved is because he writes yeah. books that are just for everybody. And there's like not really a reason awesome. you wouldn't have, there's something in there for everybody, especially the amount you can bounce around. You know, if death isn't for you, if you like the more traditional, it's like there's a whole series of witches novels that are <laughs> yeah. probably in a completely different sort of tone and everything. And he's just capable of so much. And that's, I think, the thing you and I are both sort of the most interested in is just like, what, how many directions can this guy go in? And it still feel like anybody can be into this. Anybody's welcome. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, and you know, looking at I love the reading order guide. I think it's one of the yeah best like it's sort so of beautiful. <laughs> it's a beautiful little picture that I've ever seen. Right, <laughs> like it's just such a beautiful job. Great job by by Jacob Alixov, uh, or however you pronounce your name. I'm so sorry, but that person who made this graphic is just they're my favorite person. <laughs> I've been referring to this awesome. this image for mm -hmm. like six years. I just yes. constantly come. I I always come back to it. Yes, it's it's so good. So if you haven't had a chance to check that out, it is on the Discworld Wikipedia. Just go check out this image and and follow a path. Like I think yeah. that's what's so beautiful about Discworld is it's just about so much. It's all of these characters and their intertwining stories and just how they are living in this world and how uh, and not even about how it's just like the stuff that they get up to. It's just what what's going on yeah. uh, this time on the Discworld. You know, very episodic. Um, love, 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 love this stuff a lot. And again, 
this could just be just discs reading books. <laughs> we could just do that. We're allowed to yeah. do whatever we want. Yeah, well, we do have a couple things coming up to, to definitely do, but I, I think it'll be quick that we come back to Terry Pratchett, a, a, a smaller gap than we did last time. But oh, yeah. uh, I think next week we're going to do a book of poetry. We're going to talk about poems, something I'm not equipped to evaluate at all, and we'll see how that goes. <laughs> and then the week after that, it, I'm very excited because EJ and I recently went to Portland and we went yeah. to the wonderful Powell's Books. Uh, I love that Beautiful store. Books. It's a great place. We found a shelf that was recommendations by children, like books they want to recommend to you. And I'm not going to spoil yet what book we picked, but uh, basically there were little note cards sitting out that like that like six through 14 year olds mm -hmm. wrote. And we're like, this is why I want you to read this book. And we picked the best case that a kid yeah. made. We, we picked a book. So that's coming up uh, in, in a couple of weeks. It's just the book an 11 year old really wanted us to read. <laughs> Yeah, it was really cute too because this this person this this child that that recommended it to us uh, wrote a dissertation on a note yeah. card. Yeah, uh, and I think that that uh, is why in the end because we we were torn between like I don't know three or four books and and it's just so funny that like two of them were just like I don't know I just really liked it and we were like I don't know I'm convinced. Yeah, and then this person was like, no, here is my dissertation on why. You should read this one book. So, um, props to them for 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 that. Yep. And uh, I'm I'm very excited to read the book that they suggested. EJ, I have a poem for you to go out on today. Oh boy! And I I had to do it because it's a poem written by Terry Pratchett, oh. and it's a poem called "An Ode to Multiple Universes," which Mort is very much about. Right? Okay. Here's here's an ode to multiple universes by Terry Pratchett. I do have worlds enough and time to spare an hour to find a rhyme, to take a week to pen an article, a day to find a rhyme for particle. In many worlds, my time is free to spend 10 minutes over tea and steal the time from some far moon so words can take all afternoon. Away beyond the speed of light, I'll write a novel in one night. Eons beckon if I want them. But I can't have them because of quantum. <laughs> <laughs>